and La Salles felt like the perfect the perfect metaphor, like the, the breath of Phoenix <laughs> that I needed to start this life where I was, you know, leaving my old corporate job behind to venture into this adventure that I had no idea where it was going to lead me. Welcome to the Crossing It Off podcast, where we believe living with intention through a bucket list lifestyle is a great way to bring yourself personal joy. As you are crossing items off your list, you're actually filling up your bucket. The more items you cross off, the more joy gets added, until eventually your joy spills over into the lives of those around you. Now, let's start crossing it off together. Have you ever stacked your bucket list items? Today's bucket list storyteller on the Crossing It Off podcast does a great job of telling us the story of how after decades of wanting to cross off a specific item, she tacked on a bunch of others to make it more affordable and to have more pleasure out of crossing a lot of items off at one time. Let's listen to her story and start crossing things off. Julianne Moreda, she describes herself as a a wanderluster, midlife career breaker, Brazilian American and citizen of the world. Juliana, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Roger. Yeah, so tell us, what did you cross off your list? Visit Valencia in Spain. Okay, so describe where that is for everyone so they have an understanding of what we're talking about. Where is it located in Spain? So Valencia, where is it located in Spain? What's like the closest city most people would know? So Valencia is located on the east part of Spain by the Mediterranean Sea. Um, And it's actually the biggest city um, in its region. But if you think in terms of how it's located from Madrid, it's about uh, a one hour and 40 minute ride from Madrid. So in kilometers, that's what, 365 kilometers? What is that? 200 miles or so from Madrid. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And so why did you want to go there? What was it about? Valencia that like drew you to say I want to put this on my bucket list yeah so Valencia was really about honoring a childhood dream Um, Mm. there were many layers about this visit um, that I had to Valencia so um, the first one was um, so putting in the context I was I was born and raised in Brazil and I I had a very comfortable middle-class life but both my parents, they worked three shifts, didn't have a lot of discretionary income to travel. So when I was a child, like six, seven years old, my sister and I, also a kid, we would have this game where we had a table globe that we would spin. And <laughs> our little fingers <laughs> would land on a city and say, okay, this is the next city that I'm going to visit. And then we would cut these uh, pictures from my mom's fashion magazines and glued them to a book which was like my travel album right in in quotes (laughs) and and I remember gluing this picture of this beautiful woman wearing a white embroidered dress um where I wrote down this is my summer afternoon in Valencia And so I did that with a lot of cities and a lot of countries but this one about Valencia really stuck in my head for my entire life and and then if you think about the bigger context of what was going on in my life, too, at the time, it was, you know, we were coming out of the pandemic and I had just experienced this collective um, energy that we experienced, right, of mortality, this sense of time passing by. And 
to me, that was really happening also in the context of my own personal and spiritual awakening. And I knew that I had to make some changes in my life. So I decided to take a career break. And when I, you know, to just spend months traveling at a time, which in itself, it was a bucket list, right? Was to travel without constraints of time in Europe, a country that I wanted just to spend a lot of time. And Valencia was a place that I knew had to be there. So Valencia in a way was a bucket list within a bucket list. And once I was in Valencia, I got to experience other bucket lists, other experiences, mm-hmm. right? That I've always wanted to do. That's a, that's so amazing to me. Now I'm curious, did do you still have that book that you made as a young child or is it just something that you remember doing or does it still exist? I don't think it exists, but um, <laughs> <laughs> next time I visit my parents, I definitely want to look through the archives <laughs> yeah. in like in the old room and see if it's there. But what I can say about that book is that I think that was the very first vision board, right? That I made right. for my life. <laughs> that's a, that's incredible. Uh, we have a very similar story. So you're traveling around the world and you have Valencia on your list. So how did you incorporate Valencia in this? You're stacking all these bucket list items together. And how did that piece come together for you? So, yeah, so I started my career break in Portugal. So I was traveling in Portugal for uh, two weeks um, and I wanted to start there. And I said, I want to give it a little bit of time to get acclimated in, in Europe before I venture out in this city that seemed so uh, mythical to me, right? Going mm-hmm. to Valencia. So Valencia was there in my second week of having spent two weeks on the road in Portugal visiting many places. And so when I landed in Valencia, I really didn't have a very set itinerary. I knew that I wanted to experience the city. And there was this one particular thing that I knew I wanted to do, which was I needed to go to the beach to see the Mediterranean Sea from there. Mm. And I had been in the Mediterranean Ocean before. I've swam in the Mediterranean Ocean before in other countries. But for me, there was just this significance, significance of honoring that childhood dream that I would be at the beach, right? Mm-hmm. At the time, I said I wanted to be with a white embroidered summer dress. But guess what? This was March. It was <laughs> so cold. <laughs> it was very cold and it was rainy. And not only that, but I was also there in the context of this huge, massive festival called Las Fias that happens every year to celebrate the uh, spring equinox. Mm-hmm. So there were 2 million people out in the street. Oh, my and goodness. This, and this city was loud and it was noisy and there are fireworks just po, 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 bombing, cracking all day long, all night long. And I could hardly sleep that entire week due to this festival. So when I arrived in Valencia, I remember that one of the things that I wanted to do was I want to visit all these different um, places, this beautiful medieval city with all of these historical landmarks. But I was exhausted, right? I was exhausted and I was in awe and I was in misery. And it was like all of these different feelings happening to me at the same time because there I was honoring my dream of being in Europe. I was tired. I had spent two weeks visiting a bunch of churches and museums <laughs> and historical landmarks. So when I arrived in Valencia, I kind of I wanted to experience the festival of Las Fias 
And I also wanted to have a break from doing the traditional historical tour. Right. And and the thing that was really big about Valencia too is that it really fed, it really, it really spoke to this, like I mentioned earlier, the spiritual awakening and transformation that was happening inside of me that was about let me trust my gut and my instincts as opposed to just focusing so much on my rational mind. Mm. My rational mind really wanted to visit the church where supposedly the Holy Grail was there, right? And it was just not that far from the hotel that I was staying. But my my body, my gut, my instinct, they were telling me this. You need to rest. Mm. You're tired. Um, you need to try to get some sleep. The second part was just go wander around without a set itinerary. My body was really telling me that. And so Valencia for me really created, in Valencia, I created this space to let go of this FOMO, right? Of this mm-hmm. fear of missing out. Yeah, um, for seeing sure. All of, all of these cool things that my rational mindset I needed to see to focus on how I wanted to do at the moment. So let me ask, did you know that this festival was going to be going on? Did Was that a part of picking the time to go to Valencia or was that just something you like rolled into town and was like, oh my gosh, this thing's happening. <laughs> no, I knew this was going to happen. And I specifically selected to be in Valencia during the time. Uh, but here's a little bit more context. I had never heard of Las Fires until the year before I went there. I was yeah. there in February, 2022. I'm sorry, March, 2022. And I had the first time I had heard of Las Fires was in 2021. I heard it when I was planning to go on my career break. And at the time, I had a career break coach who said, oh, if you're going to Valencia, check out this festival. Because <laughs> in the end, they burn all of these huge sculptures, sculptures that they built for the festival. They burn it all out. So that thing about burning it all out really spoke loudly to me. Mm-hmm. And when I did my research about it, and I found out that that is the climax of the party, that they really burned massive sculptures, which are called Lasayas, that spoke to this phase that I was going through my life, which was to burn the old to create space for the new. So, so Valencia came to me with that symbolism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Lasayas felt like the perfect the perfect metaphor, like the the breath of Phoenix <laughs> that I needed to start this life where I was, you know, leaving my old corporate job behind to venture into this adventure that I had no idea where it was going to lead me. During your time there, the festival's going on, you know, nonstop sounds like you get to the end and you're there when they're burning these sculptures. How was that emotionally for you? What was what was that like as far as a culmination to your time there? It was unbelievable, Roger. It was, you know, and when it, when I think about it, I remember being there in the middle of that festival and just feeling of how fortunate, how lucky I was, even though I was not getting much sleep. It was, I really was going through these beautiful medieval streets, feeling like a zombie in a way. But I remember when Saturday night, the last night of the festival came in, and I 
chose to watch the burning of the fire. Uh, there are many fires. I heard over 400 of these fires all wow. around the city. And I chose, I said, you know what? I'm going to choose this one here. It was a Salvador Dali themed fire. <laughs> lots of uh, lots of uh, sculptures remind that that were resembling um, uh, the paintings of Salvador Dali, and I chose to watch that one burn. And I stayed around it because think about it. There's millions of people in the street, and everybody wants to see these these, these uh, things burn. And I stay there at night. It was like almost midnight. It was raining. It was so cold. I mean, I had <laughs> gloves and and hats and and and, and boots and an umbrella and I had these thousands of people around me and I'm looking at this culture of Bali and everything about it just seems exactly like that surreal like the surrealism that it portrays <laughs> right? right um it, so I remember at one point there was this culture there was there was a Jesus in a sculpture right and at one point when the firefighters came in to start prepping the space for the for the sculpture to burn, they accidentally dropped the arm of Jesus in the ground. And the crowd was like, oh, no. <laughs> but I remember these Italian kids picking up the arm of Jesus and starting to scratch their backs and taking you know, a bunch of selfies. And people are laughing. And it's all bizarre. And it's funny and bizarre at the same time. And I'm just watching all of this and all. And then all of a sudden, the firefighter throws this eye from one of the sculptures into the crowd. And guess what? The eye lands on my hands. <laughs> this big eye, right? Made out of, of styrofoam. <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel so lucky. How is it that they're giving me a piece of this thing? And, and then within moments, I also realized that like, no, 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 no. This eye needs to burn. This mm. is all about creating space for the new. It was meant to burn. So I, I, I run up to the front of this, of this activity and I tell the firefighter, hey, hey, can you please make sure that you burn this? I can't keep this. So he throws it back and then this beautiful Spanish woman dressed in an 18th century costume, she lights the fire that burns everything down. And I see that eye burning and the entire sculpture is burning. And everybody around me, that collective energy of, wow, what is going on? These sculptures that so beautifully made that cost some of them hundreds of thousands of, of euros burning, burning high. And all of a sudden, everything just turns into ashes, right? And I just remember feeling so lucky for seeing all of this. And, I, and something really powerful happened, not just that night. That night I went to bed, there was still a lot of fireworks, but they had diminished because it was the end of the festival. So I had the best night's sleep I've had in mm. like an entire week. Here at the Crossing It Off podcast, we are passionate about inspiring you in your bucket list lifestyle and empowering you to live out your list. We offer many resources to assist you in your bucket list journey, such as web resources in the show notes, bucket list mentoring services, my book, Live Out Your Lists, a private Facebook group for you to share your bucket list success stories with others and more. All of these can be found at crossingitoffpodcast.com. Find the resource that fits your need so that you can live out your list. Now back to the show. I think the next day when I, I, I got on the, you know, like two days later, I got on this plane, on, I'm sorry, on this train to go to my next destination in Spain. 
And I was on the train looking through the window and seeing the, the beautiful countryside of Spain. I remember at that moment feeling this shift inside of me. And I couldn't at the time really put any words, but I just felt as if this, there was this energy shift inside of me. Like I, I realize now that that was the moment that I started feeling like I was reconnecting with myself, hmm. with somebody who like I'm reconnected with my own energy, with my, with my feminine power that allows miracles to come to my life and to happen in my life. Right. So it was that significance for me. I think that, Las fires and the burning of the fires having my life. So you're having this epiphany or this change transformation happening. How did that show up in the rest of your journey? Right. So you were, you know, taking a career break, traveling around the world. This is like your second or third place that you stopped. <laughs> how did that, how did that transformation affect the rest of your trip? Yeah. It really affected to the point that I said from that line, like I mentioned earlier, that I will trust that I'm going to do the things that my body are telling me to do. Mm. I am not going to be listening so much to my rational mind that tells me, oh, you have to visit this or that place. No, today I actually just want to have a glass of wine and sit by this beautiful, beautiful beach and and see the sunset, right? Um, Or today... I do want to be in this church um, in silence, just meditating um, and praying. So it, it really was about starting to tune in to what my body wanted to be at that moment. And I think also in that space, what it created, it was all these, all of these little miracles, people coming out to make my experiences even greater than what they were. Um, for example, uh, later, and, and it was like little things. Like, for example, I remember later on in my journey, I ended up being going to to Bosnia as Herzegovina, and I became very good friends with with my tour guide. And I said, "Look, I'm going to spend um, a few days in this little town." And he said, "Well, nobody stays here overnight. <laughs> Since you're going to be here for a few days, I have a friend in this town, so let's go meet him. So, when while you're here, you can come and." you know, hang out with them if you want, if they want. So, so he introduces me to these guys who work by this beautiful uh, 14th century mosque um, in the town of Mostar in Bosnia, Herzegovina. And all of the days that I was there, they were like, just come here at five o'clock and we'll have coffee together. And those are the things that I remember about this. It was like, being so open to create these little miracles, right? That they were not mm-hmm. in my set itinerary. Every day in the three days that I stayed in this little town, I had coffee with those guys. And it's like one of the most dear, like most beautiful memories that I have of this time being there. And just like that, there were so many other other experiences about that, that were about that, you know, about connecting with people, about people given me even more than what I had originally requested or thought or dreamed of having. I think that's a great way to travel uh, and and have, you know, I call it slow travel. Uh, You know, in America, we, it's so expensive for us to travel to Europe um, just flight wise that 
a lot of times, you know, people think, oh, we got to do this, got to do that you know, <laughs> to make it worth it. And it's the, for me, it's the slow travel, like you're describing that, that allows it to be worth it. If, if, you know, you spend every day rushing, rushing, rushing to get in this line to see this and get into that line to see that it's, you know, that that's no fun for me. <laughs> so I, I get what you're saying. If we can go back to Valencia just a little bit, if somebody said, oh, I want to go there, what was something that you would say? It could be the festival, it could be something else, but what would you tell them? Oh, well, you have to do this. What do you, What do they need to make sure they put on their list? Well, this is, it, it is funny. It's a, it's a good question because Valencia for me, in a way, it was different than like saying, look, these are the places that you need to go to. Why? Valencia was about all these different experiences for me, right? So mm-hmm. I would say to somebody, definitely consider going to Masalias. Just know that it's going to be a massive chaos, <laughs> but <laughs> you can get a lot out of it, right? But yeah. the other thing, the other thing that I did in Valencia that I honestly didn't know I was going to do in Valencia was attend a bullfight. Mm. Um, that was a bucket list in itself for me. And I know that it's not for everyone. And I'm going to tell you this. I wouldn't do it again, but I had to do it. Yeah. Right. I've always wanted to do this. Uh, also, it was one of those childhood dreams. Um, since I was a kid, I wanted to do this because of um, just being exposed to it through videos, through people telling that, like, you need to see this. And then when I was in college, I read some Ernest Hemingway stories <laughs> of him, of him, like experiencing both fights in Spain. Yeah. And I, and I always wanted to see this. So, I was in um, Seville 14 years ago, and I actually went to a bullfight. But when I, I sat down in the arena, in the bullfight ring, but it started to rain really, really hard, and the bullfight had to be canceled. So I never had, I never got to experience that in, in Seville, which was one of like the, the most popular places in Spain for a bullfight. So sure. When I arrived in Valencia, and I got off the subway station, at, I got off exactly in the place where they have the Plaza de Bulls, which is the bullfight stadium, right? The big arena that looks like the Roman Coliseum in a smaller scale. And I just knew it that I had to experience that. <laughs> I saw I saw the signs outside saying bullfight today. So I, I remember putting everything out, you know, dropping off my luggage at my Airbnb. And I came back to watch the bullfight the day that I arrived there. I remember just being so excited walking into this bullfight because it was a bucket list within my bucket list, right? Mm-hmm. And I bought this little cushion um, so I could sit and experience the event. And this this guy, you know, was selling um, food and drinks, and I bought these roasted almonds that really they were the best I've ever had in my entire life. So I was very excited reading my almonds. And then all of a sudden, the Spanish horns start playing, and people are so excited. It's about 70% capacity, um, and it's a, it's a family event. There is old people, new people, like all these Spanish families, and there were some tourists as well. But I was there by myself, you know, watching all of this, and then the bullfight starts. And honestly, I didn't know what to expect other than I know that a bull is going to die, but I don't know exactly how this is going to play out. Mm-hmm. And, and, and as I am going through all of this, um, so, so here comes the matadors, right? There was the matadors and their um, that elegance and the, that that you know masculinity that, that looks so sexy too, right? And the <laughs> outfits and you know and they're good looking and strong. 
And then the bull comes in, and then that dance of death, right, starts. Mm. And I'm watching this in awe, but all of a sudden, something shifted. As soon as I noticed that the bull already came in hurt, like that he's already hurt, but it's there. I'm like, hmm, that's, that's not very fair for the bull. The, the matador opens his red cape, and, and the bull kneels down, you know, kind of answering to the matador's commands. And then the matador takes his sword and just pierce the, the bull like this beautiful animal. Um, right in between the shoulder blades, and the bull just collapses on the floor, mm. and there's all this blood still on the floor, and then there's blood on the matador's um, outfit, and the bull is now dead, and people just drag his lifeless body across this arena. This gorgeous animal that just moments ago was so beautiful and alive there, and I am. At that time, that awe that I had from the beginning was completely gone. Like hmm. I, I could hardly move. And I, and I looked behind me. There were just tourists behind me. They were European guys, and I could tell that they were experiencing the same. And we kind of just looked at each other and like, "What are we doing here? This yeah. is this is savage, right?" So I said, "Okay, I'm going to stay for one more to see what happens." And then it, there were supposed to be six bulls killed that oh, wow. in, in a bullfight. And I could always stay for two. And I said, goodbye. I cannot stay yeah. here anymore. I got enough. I crossed it off my bucket list. <laughs> it's time to move on. Yeah, sometimes sometimes we have to put things on our list and experience them to know we don't want to do them again. <laughs> so that's, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. No, I was going to say, there was one thing that um, I was going to say that people should do when they're in Valencia. It is to experience paella. And especially if you're experienced a paella cooking class. Oh, yes. Nice. Uh, absolutely. So uh, for, for people who don't know, paella is this you know, traditional dish uh, made out of rice. And so Valencia is one of the largest ports in the Mediterranean Sea. And it's a, it's been a big rice producer for over a thousand years. And so it is the traditional dish. Um, and it's very used in festive occasions. And now it's a very social food, normally mm-hmm. on holidays and weekends. So... And it's cooked in this gigantic uh, pan that it's big, like the size of a of a car tire, right? Yep. And and I wanted to experience Valencia, uh, 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 the, the traditional paella. So I signed up for a cooking class. I found it online, um, and it was this experience called my first paella, and I highly <laughs> recommend it. And so I so it started off with us going to the market the Mercado de Rusafa <laughs> to buy the fresh ingredients, you know, so there's this beautiful market with all these um, seafood stands and these stands full of jamón, right, which is the Spanish ham mm-hmm. and all these vegetables. So we chose all of this and then we went to the industrial kitchen where we would be cooking the pies. And it was a group of about maybe 15 people and we were split in two groups. Those that would cook the traditional paella, which is does not have seafood in it. The traditional mm-hmm. paella has snails and has rabbits um, and whatever vegetable is available in the season. And then there was the seafood paella group. So that was another example where I decided to, my rational mind wanted me to go for the traditional paella, <laughs> but my body really wanted to experience the seafood paella. So mm-hmm. I went for seafood, right? I allowed myself to um to just experience what my body wanted so 
we started off by uh, having uh, sangria, right? They, they made fresh sangria and we were drinking sangria and we're having these, all these delicious appetizer, manchego cheese and, um, and jamon. And then everybody helped, you know, slicing off the tomatoes or picking up the saffron, which to me was so beautiful just for me to touch the saffron. Like this is finished saffron. <laughs> and I put it in this, in this big, beautiful pot and it smells so good. And everybody's a little bit, you know, a little bit of a buzz from this sangria and everybody is happy and excited. And then when the food was ready, we all sat in this huge table and shared that meal together. And it was delicious. It was yeah. one of the most, the most delicious meals I've ever had. Not just the food itself was delicious, but sharing that with other people, right? In that energy yep. of creation and of love. So that was a beautiful thing that I recommend. For That's awesome. There. Building community in the process of feeding one another is pretty cool. Juliana, what's something else that you want to cross off your bucket list? I would love to learn how to sail. Mm. And... It was also a desire that showed up for me during this career break because I ended up doing a lot of boat trips, um, including some small sailing trips, short sailing trips when I was in when I was in Europe. And in fact, 2023 started and just three days ago, I signed up for my very first sailing class. Nice. <laughs> Excellent. And it's on my partner's list as well. Juliana, thank you so much for being here. How can people find more information about you or follow you on the internet? Yes. So I launched a blog called globaljuliana.com. And I wanted to to tell people the experiences about my career break. So I launched it just three months ago. And you can also find me on Instagram. It's called, it's at, at globaljuliana. That's my handle. Just going back to my blog, I actually have a blog post about the Las Fires, and you can you can visit it at globaljuliana.com uh, forward slash fires2022. Awesome. We will put all those things in the show notes for people to be able to find them directly and click on those links. Julian, thank you so much for sharing your story, and I can't wait to hear about your, your sailing adventures. Thank you so much, Roger. It's been a pleasure.